You're listening to the Taming Hindrances Podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health, as well as a dive into this thing known as spirituality. We talk about everything and anything on the podcast, so come get triggered. Welcome to another episode of the Taming Hindrances Podcast. My name's Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast, and if you noticed... Maybe you didn't notice because you haven't listened to the podcast that much, but I have a new intro, finally a new intro. We've made it one year with the podcast and I was like, you know what? It's time for a new intro. Uh, Eventually I'll redo the outro, but that doesn't really matter for now. I have another episode for you. And as always, we're going to, uh, we're going to jump into a definition of a word. This word brought to you by the tarot deck as has been more regular uh, of recent. I've been using a tarot deck to kind of decipher what it is I'm supposed to be talking about. And today's cards, we'll just go over them real quick as I have been in the past. Today's cards were the Six of Wands. Uh, Six of Wands is a representation of a victory, but a a victory that was in time coming. You know, there was effort put in. There was was all sorts of stuff that led up to this victory. And it's a celebrated victory, but it's a... It's not celebrated forthrightly. Well, maybe that's the incorrect word. It's not celebrated... um, completely in revelry of the, like the individual who's supposed to be celebrating isn't the one necessarily celebrating. It's other people being like, Hey, here's your accomplishments. Hey, you did a great job. Like it's the acknowledgement from the outside sources that a victory has occurred. The person who fought the battle may not be the one who's exactly, uh, initiating the revelry. Then the next card is the high priestess, high priestess. And the high priestess is a representation of, to make it very simple, a major arcana card here. So not very simple, but to make it simple, it's looking inward. It's, it's finding, finding out what's going on inside of ourselves. Uh, the, the high priestess is very much introverted in the sense of like looking for the great mysteries of the world and life and what makes herself tick and you know, what, what is really going on inside of herself. That's what the high priestess represents. And then the next up is the king of swords. King of swords is a, it's a representation of being very careful about how one speaks, how one um, orates or dictates or how one uses language by very carefully looking at all the facts, finding out all the information possible, sitting on that information, not saying anything actually, and just, you know, ruminating into, okay, what does all this mean? What is, what's all going on here? And then one, one does speak, speaking very specifically so much so that they might forget about emotions or how someone might take their wording. Um, That's kind of the King of Swords representation there. And then the last card was temperance. And before we get into temperance, um, I almost entitled this episode temperance, but it's called essence and it's called essence because that's where, if we take that idea of it's a victory that others have recognized, you've clearly done some sort of effort or work. Um, but it was internal work. It was, it was, it was the high priestess. There was self actuation, self change, self exploration, and the King of Swords is the recognition of that through right action, right speech, um, taking in all the information. And this is kind of that that realm of 
we've for the last 52 episodes on this podcast looked at self-awareness we looked at mental health we've started looking at spirituality we started really diving into who we are and what makes us tick and, and what is our essence and so the last card here was the temperance card and the temperance card is what you do with that essence the temperance card in the major arcana comes after the death card and so in the fool's journey the fool dies death um but not you know maybe not a physical death some sort of actuating death of like something happens to break down some part of the fool and they learn about themselves and the temperance card is that realization temperance is the realization of how things used to be, how things are now, and being able to understand oneself enough to show the world who you are, speak your truth, you know, act in accordance to who you actually are, having a firm understanding of who you are and thus acting accordingly, you know, letting the world know like, yeah, no, this is what I represent. This is what I'm about. Um, you can't sway me for no reason. You can, you know, you have to, you got to show up if you're going to make me sway my opinion or do something the way you, you want me to do it. Or it's, it's that type of reaction that temperance brings about in my life. I've had a great bit of temperance and I've had quite a few deaths and um, ego redirections and I'll go over some of those to kind of give you a better idea but these things build essence and essence is a it's a big term here um, it's a big understanding it's a big idea the reason for that and why it is so big and so important is because essence is a measurement structure you know what we deem to be essential, which is actually the definition we're going to start with. Um, we're going to start with the definition of it. Essential. And essential, the definition, thank you, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, as always, um, as an adjective, is of relating to or constituating essence. And we'll get into what essence is here in a second. But it's of the utmost importance. It's what would be considered basic or indispensable, um, necessary. It's a being a substance that is not synthesized by the body in quantity sufficient for normal health or growth um, and thus must be attained by diet. This is what we talk about essential amino acids, essential vitamins, essential minerals. These things are essential to our bodies continuing to live. Remember, I separate the health bodies out into the physical health body, the mental health body, and the spiritual health body. And in this conversation, I want to bring in all three of those pieces together and to come up with like a really... I don't want to say defined, but a really good understanding of or a really good dive into what is essence. So if we have things that are essential, we have, you know, amino acids, vitamins, minerals, you know, food for the body. We, we know um, an essential ingredient to life for us here on this planet is to have technology. Those technologies deriving or those technologies making up heat, shelter clothing, you know, food processing to have, you know, food. So we, we require technology to live. That's essential to our lives. Um, and with that, there's the definition of what would be known as essentially, which is the fundamental ideas of everything. So things that are essential are basic. They are, they are indispensable. They are necessary. They're the, of the utmost importance. And I think sometimes we say like, oh yeah, it's essential, but we don't, quite give it that that level of what it actually means like for it to be essential it is basic the base level everything completely like without something's essential piece it's it doesn't exist anymore um and thus 
with that idea, the idea of what is essential, let's go back to uh, the definition of essence. Because essence is, in this conversation, what you are. Not just what your body needs. We know, you know, essential amino acids, vitamins, minerals. You know, we need food and fire to live, right? Uh, We need water. That's essential to our lives. We need water. That's for the body. What's essential to the mind? What's essential to the spiritual self? You know, that's the bigger understanding of what essence is. So the definitions of essence, uh, there's quite a few. We'll go over quite a few of them here. uh, Most of them. The permanent or... The permanent as contrasted with the accidental element of being. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna let that one sit for a second. We'll come back to it. Um, the individual, real, or ultimate nature of things, especially as opposed to its existence. The properties or attributes by means of which something can be placed in its proper class or identified as being what it is. That would be the definition that would be used for classification, such as, you know, um, the Latin... Um, species and things for like plants when we classify plants and we classify animals to give it that that latin you know phrase for things um another definition the most significant element quality or or aspect of a thing or a person one that possesses or exhibits a quality in abundance as if in concentrated form that is the definition used in alchemy for essence Uh, a constituent or derivative possessing the special qualities of something a volatile substance or constituent, such as a perfume, that would be, um, again, what we use in alchemy. This one, I, I'm a big, huge fan of this last definition here. Something that exists. Something that exists. That's essence. Essence is something that exists. To be in essence is to, uh, in or by its very nature. So essentially, basically, that's kind of going back. I was wanted to dive back into what comes from essential. But going back to that very top line, the permanent as contrasted with the accidental element of being. There's a lot to break down there, right? The permanent, permutation, to have a, um, to be permanent is, or to, in permutation is to have a defined nature, to be permanent. Once it's defined, it, it, it's it's there. You know, there is no, there's no way to ununderstand it. It's permanent. As contrasted, as defined, as, as defined against, or as to, to be judged against, or to um, weighed by. So in this case, when we talk about, we're talking about duality, and I talk about how duality is two sides of the same coin. So for something to be essence, it's the permanent. So it is the coin has contrasted, which means it has measured itself against with the accidental element of being. Um, What this ultimately gets into is I, is the fundamental idea of, or the essential idea of what happens when we bring all three pieces together? This entire podcast, I've talked about self-awareness. I've talked about mental health. I've talked about spirituality and I've broken down what the self is, the, the physical body, the mental body, the spiritual body. When we bring all those things together, we create what's known as the essence or um, spirit of Mundi or 
some people would call it the spark of life. Uh, some people would call it the flame of knowledge or the flame of life. Um, when all three things are cohabitating and working together in conjunction with, in accordance with, they create what's known as essence, true essence. This is something that's not often talked about, but often thought to be talked about. And that's that representation of the high priestess. The high priestess knows that you can't just look outwardly. The magician, the card that comes before the high priestess in the major arcana in the fool's journey is an outward expression. The magician is creating things outwardly um, in the world. The high priestess is understanding where those things came from, from within oneself. So the high priestess is that looking inward while also measuring it outwardly. It's taking in both sides. And with that comes the understanding of, okay, if I, if I measure it all out, right? If I, if I'm measuring it up, if I'm, if I'm trying to break it down, I can't, it's not, it's not, it's not possible to separate these things once they are together. And that's when we talk about, you know, we're, we're often talking about like, what's the, what's the magic here? What's the mystery here? What's the special sauce? What's the special piece and we're not talking about it while th we're talking about it, but we're not talking about it correctly. We're, we're thinking we're talking about it, but we're not actually talking about it. A lot of the mystery schools out of there, out there, you know, like I've talked about before with the book, you know, the secret, they're talking about a piece of it, but they're not talking about the full thing. And the high priestess knows they're not talking about the whole thing because they're missing the internal piece. They're missing what happens when you put the mind, body and quote unquote soul together to put the spirit with the mind, with the body, have them all talk together and be essence to be the whole thing, the whole package all together. Once it's together, you can't separate it. That's what we talk about in the, where chi is vital energy, where key is vital energy. When I talk about energy, quote unquote, or we just talk about energy in general, we're only talking about a piece of the essence. We're only talking about a piece of life. We're only talking about a piece of what's going on. If you wanted to talk about the truest nature of essence, when it comes to the reality in which we live in, it would just be light. Light would be the essence. Everything is light in some form, function, or factor. Everything is light. You know, we have the helium atom and we have, you know, hydrogen and oxygen. We go down the empirical table and it's just the next octave of the atom before it. It's, it's the next wavelength structure, which is why the wall next to you or the, the ground underneath your feet or, you know, the individual molecule becomes hard light. When we can start to touch it, it's just hard light. Your body is just hard light. It's, it's, it's the wavelength structure that makes up skin. It's the wavelength structure that makes up the internal organs or, or tissues or all of the other essential minerals and vitamins and uh, amino acids working in your body. All of these are just light. That is the essence of being. And it sounds simple and complex. And it's, it's, it's almost unfathomable to kind of get to that level of understanding. You have to learn what magnetism is, what the dielectric plane is, 
how magnetism plus dielectric gives us electricity, but before that we have light and function. Um, this is why a black hole absorbs light because it's the it's the the other side. It's the immaterial versus the material. It's what allows material to be materium. Um, this is what's known as the law of equivalent exchange in alchemy, where we know that yes, there is a law of equivalent exchange, but there is no such thing as equivalency because it's just everything's always equal because it's all from the same thing. Um, this is the let there be light in the, you know, the, the, the Bibles. Um, this is the point of uh, the big bang. This is, this is what we're talking about. When we talk about the essence of the universe, we're talking about light, but without a better understanding of what light is, that'll never make sense. So that's, you know, the victory's there. The, the six of wands is there. Yeah. You, you, we've, we became existent. We started to exist. That's a celebratory victory. Like everybody sees that and everybody celebrates that, but it's not well understood. So the high priestess knows to look deeper. The king of swords knows even more so at that point to make sure they get all the information before they even open their mouth to speak about it. And this is partly, partly why, remember why question, spiritual question, partly why there are many misunderstandings because we don't have a way to talk about this. We don't have a way to build a general understanding of this thing known as hard light or the, the universe is light and it works on that. It's really hard to break someone of the education they've been given. This is what indoctrination breeds. This is what education breeds. This is what um, standardized testing breeds. Like when you, when you make the answer, the memorization of an answer without question, without reason, without logic, without asking why we're understanding from last episode that why gives credence to existing or necessity of existing, we don't get a proper understanding or we can never have a proper understanding of how to discuss this with one another. That's why I'm kind of going around in circles here. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to express what I know to be intrinsically true, what I know to be essence of being to someone who maybe doesn't have that. Specifically, if we look at someone who can't have, and this might be you, you might be one of these people, and I'm not saying you're, you're wrong or broken in any way, just that there are some people who cannot have a conversation in their own head. They don't, want, they don't have what's known as an internal dialogue. I have a never-ending internal dialogue. It's like the fucking, I might as well be speaking into this microphone into my own head constantly. Um, some people don't have that ability. I don't necessarily know what that means in the grand scheme of things, but it's something to take into factor that like, Oh, some people can't have an internal conversation with themselves. Thus they don't have an internal dialogue. This whole inner voice thing doesn't mean shit to them. We have to have a different way of talking to them about this. Same for it's, there's no difference in that argument than the arguments. I don't know if I call them arguments, but the, uh, the difference of someone who thinks logically versus someone who thinks creatively. When we look at the King of Swords, we're talking to someone who thinks very logically. That might not resonate with someone at all. They might, 
you know, a better way of understanding the King of Swords for someone might be instead of taking in all the information and figuring out the logic and the reason and, and then opening one's mouth, it might be looking at all the colors and the shapes and then painting the picture. That might be a better understanding of someone. And that's why we're stuck in this world where temperance is really fucking hard. It's really hard to be temperate. It's really hard to take in all of your conclusions, all of your experiences, all of the things that make your essence and then use it to interact. Temperance is not just, oh, be patient or be, you know, understanding or, or be kind or that's not really the representation of temperance. Temperance is an act both metaphorically and forkly it's a simulation you can be tempered by many things um we can talk about blades you know to temper by fire um even primitive weaponry you would temper with fire you can temper wood with fire you can you can char just the very outside of the wood to harden the wood which will make it uh, the outside will become softer clearly because you're charring it but the point underneath that will become hardened um the sap or you know the different uh sugars if you will to think about it that way will crystallize and create a harder point underneath of that charred surface we do the same thing with blades we temper them with heat um you can temper yourself by going through struggles by suffering by being passionate about something so temperance is that understanding of what have I gone through? How's it changed me? How do I measure things? Temperance is like that understanding of like how you would measure something. And that's going to be vastly different for everyone. It's part of depression. Your temperance and your depression, they're connected. You know, to be temperate is to have your own depression. And your own depression is uniquely who you are. It's uniquely how you see the world. It's uniquely how you've experienced the world. And a piece beyond that is this thing called essence without being depressed. You can't have what's known as essential. You can't have your needs. And I've said before, and I'll say again, repetition is the mother of all skill. Um, we get what we need, not always what we want. A need is essential. It is essence. You need vitamins and minerals. You need amino acids. You need food. You need shelter. You need fire. You need water. You need these things to survive. Without them, you would just die. And with that is a much grander idea that technically, due to the fun nature of technicalities, we aren't giving our body all of its needs in some cases. And thus we have cell death apoptosis but apoptosis in and itself is a necessity we need cells to die to replicate to make new cells to be more healthier to gain muscle to build things so like we're constantly in this weird cycle we never think about we are killing all cells inside of ourselves all the time that's what apoptosis does and through apoptosis we're able to create new that's why i talk about the chaos creation order and destruction cycles how it, it's not like we can't have these connotations. We can't have, oh, destruction's a bad thing. Unwarranted, unwanted 
destruction is is a bad thing. Yes, taking someone else's life is a bad thing. We can put that connotation on it. We can also put the connotation of taking someone of of. I have to be very careful how I say this because I don't want it to be misdrawn. Taking the life of an individual who is a horrid creature. Put it that way, because what I'm what I'm saying there is we've they've removed the humanity from themselves. If someone decides or makes the decisions or does the actions in which they stop being human, which means they would then be a creature, taking their life could 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 be given the connotation of yeah, that was the appropriate action, right? So this is the argument that is commonly used when we talk about Hitler, you know, like yeah, clearly, like, you know, people say, like, oh, yeah, clearly, like, someone should have killed him. Like, they had stopped being a human and started being a creature. They were they were un, unhelpable, unreformable. Uh, um, this gets into some very dirty, nitty-gritty ideas, but this is, the reason I'm bringing it up is to talk about the connotation of things, to talk about the removal of, of the connotation so that you can better understand what's going on. If I connotated the King of Swords with its logic reason and there's it's it's all verbiage, that's not going to speak to someone who is more creative, more pictures, colors, and, you know, no, maybe doesn't have an internal dialogue that would sit there and talk about, you know, let me bring in all this information. Let me, let me figure out what the true understanding is here. Let me get all the logical. Oh, do I have all the information? No, that might not speak to them. They, they, so we can't talk to them in that vernacular. We can't talk to them in that methodology. In that conversation, I have to bring up this world of essence. And this world of essence means you're responsible for figuring out the ways in which you understand the connotations and the conversations you're not getting or are not possible to be had with you. You're also responsible for breaking down what might be the barrier so that you can better inform the individual. Like, I don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. It doesn't really quite make sense. Maybe try putting it in. Like, this is how I learn. This is how I understand. That's, that's the conversation of temperance. Temperance is that understanding. It's having looked inside of oneself and, and let that, childish nature die let the childish nature of oh someone else should take care of me and, and you know someone else is responsible for all of this letting that die that's the death card comes before temperance in the uh major arcana and understanding that like oh no no, no I'm, I'm responsible for all this and these are my needs these are my wants i'm gonna i'm gonna get what i need i'm gonna get food shelter water you know i'm gonna get you know, maybe you're someone who needs companionship. Maybe you're someone who needs, you're going to get what you need, not what you want. Or you're also going to constantly seek out your needs. You know, we get hungry. We, we go and we, we find food. So that's all on the base level of the body, right? So let's, let's bring the mind into the conversation. Because in order to find essence, we have to talk about all three pieces. Because without them, we don't have essence. We don't have the permanent as contrasted with the accidental element of being. Um, that's why that top line definition is a mind fuck, but it's got all the pieces, right? Um, so when we talk about 
the mind. What's essential to the mind? Well, the mind also needs amino acids and nutrition and, you know, it needs all these things to continue being the physical mind, the, the, the connective piece to the materium, but the subconscious space or the internal space, the space of the high priestess, what's that need? Stimulation could, you know, you definitely could be someone who requires stimulation, um, I would argue that there's a lot of people out there that require a lot of stimulation for their mind that they don't get, so they act accordingly. They act out. They get mad. Kids, you know, the ADHD argument, the, the you know, uh, hyperactive child. Like, it's possible that they're just not getting enough stimulation, and thus the only action they have is to cry out for help in that regard. Um there's also overstimulation. So like these are the things that go into psychiatry and these are the things, the, the realm of medicine that I stay out of, you know, I don't really talk medicinally. Well, no, I talk medicinally. I don't talk about registered Western world medicine. I'm not a doctor. I cannot diagnose, prescribe. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't talk about depression as far as diagnosing for chemical imbalances and, and you know, all those other things. That's not my, that's not my world. I think about these things in these base terms of, the mind might need stimulation. It might also need no stimulation. It might need to be like, I need a fucking quiet space to gather my thoughts. Or if you're someone who doesn't have that internal dialogue, maybe you need a fucking mirror and a quiet space so you can have a conversation with yourself. Maybe you need a piece of paper to write things out. Maybe you're a journaler. Maybe you keep a diary. Maybe that helps. Maybe you're someone who makes lists. Maybe, you know, you need music. Maybe you need the the flowiness of music. Maybe you need pictures. Maybe you like, so this conversation is a conversation of how you learn. What is your essence? What is the methodology in which you learn? The mind needs information. The, 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 the mental body, the, the, the mind body needs information. The body itself, the physical body is constantly providing it with information. That's why I know it needs information because if it didn't need information, we wouldn't have touch. We wouldn't have sound. We wouldn't, we, I'm sorry, we wouldn't have touch. We wouldn't have hearing. We wouldn't have taste. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have any of our senses. We wouldn't have, you know, visual cortex response. We would never, we would have no senses. We wouldn't need them, right? We wouldn't need input. If the body didn't need information, it wouldn't get information. And it's constantly getting information, a fuck ton of information. The central nervous system is bombarding your mind constantly with all of this information so much that until very recently, I don't even think uh, we've had technology that would even come close to the amount of information the central nervous system is providing the brain as far as like, you know, gigabits, terabits and all that stuff. Um, why that becomes a, a prudent idea is it's still not even enough. You have so much mental capacity that it might not be enough to have all this like touch, sound, hearing, tasting, like you, you might, the bandwidth there, there, you might have too much bandwidth. So you need like that go internally, go into the mental space of like, uh, and then you daydream, right? You're just often like, yeah, that, yeah, that's all boring. Uh, there's not enough there. I need something else. So with that whole necessity for information, we have a need for interesting information, which is part of the depression. What do you find interesting? And it just goes on and on. I mean, we could just keep going down this rabbit hole as far as we want. 
you know, Alice got off at the wrong stop. She could have just kept going farther. Maybe like maybe there was a more, a bigger hole in a new root structure to keep going down. Maybe there's another world, another fantasy, another, you know, telling of the, the information. Uh, this is vice versa though. Like maybe there's an individual who, not even maybe like I'm, I've met individuals where there can be too much sensory apparatus. There can be too much senses from the body overwhelming the mind and there isn't enough bandwidth there. And so putting in more is just going to go horribly wrong. So the need there is for less input for maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, like who knows? But these are the things that you need to learn about yourself. The requirement here is now a need. It's, an, it's essential that you learn these things about yourself because without them, you can't have temperance. Without them, you can't have your coin system, how you measure things. You can't be you if you don't have an understanding of what these are. And you can't leave that up to someone else. I've been shouting that since fucking day one in this podcast. Stop leaving this shit up to other, everyone else. Start figuring it out for yourself. Because the sooner you do that, the more you can, you, can, you can be you. You can live your life. You can understand things more. Or maybe you can change the things you want to change. If you don't have an understanding about something, you can't really change it. Um, and oddly enough, the whole conversation about, I know I'm all over the place on this one. This is just, a, this is my, kind of my essential nature of just like, I'm long winded. I'm all over the place. Sometimes there's just reels in my head going, just going crazy. The information's just going out there all the time. And I just want to share it and give it out. Yet I'm very antisocial. So I only do it through a podcast or one-on-one with people. Anyway, um, the conversation of using the tarot deck or using divinatory processes or astrology or reading your daily horoscope or listening to the I Ching or all of these things is this conversation with uh, the world, with the universe, right? And we, you often will find in the mystical nature of things in the mystery schools or in the... Um, mysticism world people are like i'm gonna i'm i'm talking to the universe i'm i'm having a conversation with the universe and that's fine and dandy for them it really is because you can have a conversation with the universe the universe is constantly trying to talk to you you just don't have the bandwidth to understand it most times and i'm not i'm not faulting you here it's really tough to be honest it's very tough to have that bandwidth this is what meditation might open this is what all sorts of self-awareness and exploration opens this is what means to be an awakened individual or an enlightened individual is to have this conversation with the universe. Some people do this religiously through their faith or beliefs and have a, what's known as prayer and conversation. But the problem is at least the problem I find what some call downloads. I'm just trying to use some of the vocabulary from the mysticism side. Like when people say like, oh, I'm getting a download from the universe or I'm hearing the word of God or I'm feeling that presence it's really tough to decipher if that's true or not because you're not that person. So you have to build a trust network, blah, 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 blah. What am I getting at here? If you don't open yourself up to trying to have those experiences, you can never learn them. And so the universe can't give you lessons. And so when we talk about the universe is providing lessons for people, you'll never understand that until you actually look at it. Maybe the reason you spilled the coffee on your lap was to 
get your anger out of the way before you go into the meeting so that you didn't blow up in the meeting and then get fired because you decided to be a gigantic asshole that day because your dog took a shit on the rug and pissed you off that morning and you had no release in between then and the meeting. And so the universe provided this another another problem for you to go through so that you would have the blow up in the bathroom um, trying to clean your pants off or your dress off or, you know, your shoes off so that you got it out of your system. So you were exhausted by the time you got to the meeting and you just, you just kind of gave into like, yeah, it's been a shitty day, you know, but here's my presentation and it went well. These are the types of moments where you get to choose how you look at things. You get to choose your temperance. You get to learn and have temperance. Um, I try to be as humble as I possibly can. That's part of my temperance, but it's because I've had a lot of humbling experiences. I've been homeless. I've lived in my car. It was only for like nine months. I had plenty of jobs to keep me occupied. And, you know, I had places to crash on couches. And it, it, for me, it's my, my temperance is to say it wasn't that bad. People have had it way worse than I did. But I say that and some people might find that like, holy shit, like you, you were homeless and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, but like to me, it wasn't that bad. To be honest, comparatively to some of the places I lived in my life, it, it was better. You know, like I came from a broken home, a place where I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be home. It was fucking horrible. I've also lived in living situations that were just shitty and just like, I didn't want to be there because it was just, it wasn't healthy for me to be in that you know locale or be around those types of people. I've had plenty of roommates throughout my life that probably weren't the best for me to be around. So we're not even roommates. Some of them were leasees, you know, I, I subleased apartments. So that level of shittiness existed to make the temperance of like, Oh, living in my car wasn't like terrible. Like I don't really see it as that. It wasn't that bad. Um, so that's the idea of temperance, but it goes into what your depression is. And that has to do with what's essential to the body. What's essential to your mind. What kind of stimuli do you need? What kind of stimuli could you deal without? Do you not really need or, or need to not have, um, and making those decisions for yourself. I made the decision that I didn't need the stimuli of my, my family being shitty to one another and being shitty to myself and the lies and, you know, all the other crap that went along with that, the sexual abuse that I went through that was constantly being reverberated back in my head because I had to either interact or hear about the individual, you know, then also know that they were sexually abused at the same time. So, like, am I going to play this blame game? Is, you know, that's not really going to work. You know, and then to know that there was, you know, mental conditions involved and other conditions and just this, this laundry list of bullshit and, and shittiness that everybody was going through. I didn't need that input. I just, I didn't need that input anymore. Every time that I had to interact with my family, something shitty happened and I felt shitty. And that was just not a need for my mind. My mind didn't need that. In fact, it needed not to have that input. And so I eliminated it from my life. I've been much better ever since. That's not to say I wish harm or terribleness upon my family. That's why I don't, I don't name names or, you know, I, I don't really give out information of who or what or when, because I don't need them to have a repercussion against them. I don't need people to know, honestly, that they were involved. I talk about the involvement, the overarching scheme, the story itself, because that's very important to how I 
came about or how my mind works around things or so it also specifically in personal relationships it's not it's a it's a long deep conversation that if i'm ever going to have an intimate relationship they deserve to know about me because it it does affect how i interact in certain ways so this is the needs of my mind i also had a point in time where i needed martial arts every day i needed the action of going somewhere where i could just leave the world behind as soon as i open the door go into the studio and i just practice martial arts with the people i enjoyed practicing martial arts with and just i just did that or i went to work and got out of my home life and you know those were my mental needs and everyone's are going to be different but i really had to sit down and look at it like what are they okay and again the needs of both I need and I, I need to not the double negative um, or sorry, avoid the double negative. I need, and I need to not that works for the body as well. The body needs nutrition, needs heat, needs water, needs shelter, needs sleep. It needs to not drink, smoke, lack sleep, uh, eat shittily, not exercise, you know, so it, it needs to not do those things because that makes it unhealthy. And we have rules of engagement for that. Remember, everything's warfare for me. So like I look at the rules of engagement, the rules of engagement say, okay, you mentally need ice cream. Sure. That means you need to do some sort of counterbalance for the body to absorb that hit. That's kind of, you know, like I, I don't see people always put those things together and it's tough to learn this and no one, I mean, in modern society, we just want, you know, give me money, give me food. I just want to get fat and be lazy and, you know, I don't want to have to care. I want everything on a silver platter. I, you know, we breed that in today's society because we have people who live that life and we want, we want that. But again, you don't get what you want. You get what you need. And the need here is. For some people, you need to do 50 push-ups so you can eat a pint of ice cream. That's just the need, you know, to balance that out. Because we have to take care of the body. We're in charge of it. So, we've talked about the body. We've talked about the mind. Let's talk about the last piece that we don't always incorporate. What do we need spiritually? Well, last episode, I kind of defined what that looks like. We need why questions. And we need to ask why questions because by asking why questions... We are thus important, and by being important, we give some sort of value to the whole thing. Well, if the body needs nutrients and the mind needs nutrients on the physical level, in some way, the spirit needs nutrients. The soul, the whatever you want to call it, needs nutrients, resources. We don't necessarily know what those are. And there's a lot of schools of thinking as to what they are. And we don't know which of those is right and which of those is wrong. We haven't taken the time to look at these things objectively and also subjectively like we have with sports medicine, like we have with anatomy and physiology, like we have with nutrition, like we have with psychology and psychiatrics. And even then, we're just kind of brushing the surface with all these things. In the last 15 years, we've learned so much about the human body and the mind. We've changed the game in most cases. You know, the shit we talked about 30 years ago is irrelevant or wrong. That goes all the way back to ancient medicines. And this is where a lot of this came to 
the forefront for me. When I looked at things like Iamblichus, or I'm sorry, not things. I looked at philosophers like Iamblichus. I looked at philosophers like Paracelsus. I looked at philosophers like even Plato or, or you know, or I looked at even more modern individuals. If you look at, um, I, I lack, you know, the necessity. I, I don't have the need for me to remember names and stuff like that. So I don't, that's why part of, part of why I lack like people to like reference or, you know, people to quote is because I don't, I don't find a need for them to be like, I would never expect someone to be like, Oh yeah. Phil on the Taming Hendricks podcast said this. I don't have a need for people to do that. Cause I, that's part of my stupid humble humbleness of that degree. But I, it's because I don't do it with other people. Like, yeah, I can name some names here and there, but I, I lack a proper list and also a diversified list because <laughs> I just don't remember names like that. And I don't remember quotes or times or dates, even errors. Um, but if we look at ancient philosophy, let's just put it that way. If we look at ancient philosophy, if we look at where modern medicine came from, when I built the idea of the self, three health bodies, all working in accordance or conjunction or all working together to make up the individual, the big, the, the capital, the, all of the philosophies from ancient times included the spirit, included the soul, included this other piece. That's where I caught it from. So somewhere along the lines, we eliminated the necessity for talking about that. And it's only gone downhill since it's only gotten worse since. And this is what allows for people to have stupid fucking conversations about things that are just not okay. They're just not okay. I don't care how you want to debate it. There are certain things that are just like, really, this is where we've gotten to. These are the conversations we're having. This is what we think is important. That's the frustration that I have. And I know others share that frustration because that's what allows for coercion. That's what allowed for queen. That's what allowed for Kings and Queens to, you know, say that there were something called a peasant. That's what I, that's what allowed for the noble class to exist. That's what allowed for there to be this divisional line from the very beginning that some people are more important than others. And yeah, you know what? Rationally, there may be arguments for that, but the baseline shouldn't be that. If you start with the baseline, more people, some people are more important than others. If that's your baseline of conversation, if that's the essence of your argument, you're already wrong because you don't know. You don't have a conclusive argument for that. There's no way to say the autistic child who was born and, you know, struggled with autism till they were 14 or 15 won't somehow figure out how to live with that and then go on to invent some fucking crazy thing that changes the world. Oh, wait, we do have an argument in the other that has happened. There are individuals like that who have done those things. There's the whole classification of what we call an idiot, idiot savant. I don't even know if you're allowed to use that word anymore. It's probably not PC, but fuck it. Like there's that understanding. There's also the argument to be made that someone who might be deemed by a noble class to be unimportant or not of importance is important because we can learn things from them. We can learn something from everyone. We can, 
people who ask why questions, anyone who's ever asked a why question is important. That was go listen to episode 52. It's probably the most important episode I've done. 52 is the essence of this is this podcast so far. The asking of why questions and how that makes someone important to the universe in, in a whole. So when I talk about the, the body and the mind, we have to talk about this other piece known as the spiritual side or, or the, the other, whatever you want to call it, classify it. I don't care anymore. That needs nutrients too. And we, I, I, I've never seen a conclusive argument as to what even that looks like. You know, some people say, you know, in the Christian community, like you got to pray to God in the uh, Islamic community, there's prayer as a, as a nutrient for the, the spiritual, but there's also exaltation, which is a weird function of like living for and dying for one's God. Um, and how that gets misconstrued quite a bit. There's Jainism, which is uh, Jainism, I would say has some pretty good defining features as to what the essential nature of nutrients for or what would be essential to the, the the spiritual body? That's dharma, karma, and that conversation. But that also includes um, reincarnation. So, I suppose if you go back to episode forty six, when I talked about reincarnation, that might be a good start as to where we need to have the conversation of like, what is this reincarnation thing? How does it work? Oh, you can have reincarnation, or what's known as a death in this life, and then to have temperance afterwards. Is what I was just talking about. We don't have this conversation, so they're taboo. They're not okay. We can't have them. That doesn't work. What we're doing isn't working because there is no temperance. There's just wipe the slate clean, start all over again, get the etch-a-sketch out, figure it all over again. Like that doesn't that doesn't work. And I'm getting extremely frustrated at the idea that somehow, in some way, people keep getting away with this. They just keep being allowed to get away with this. Pretty much the entire government of the United States of America at the, at the upper levels are just inept and useless because they keep getting away with this bullshit. They keep getting away with redefining, reorganizing, and, def and also defining what becomes necessity for someone else. That's not how this works. People are individuals. There is no, we are out, we are out of the age of Pisces. We are now into the age of Aquarius. The school of fish is gone. The age of Pisces, the school of fish has disbanded. They've all gone and created their own little schools and moved on and, and done their own thing. The coral reef is blah, blah, blah. Now it's the age of Aquarius. We all have to wake up and it's going to take a long time. And I know I'm a little bit ahead of the game here as far as like, I'm, I'm getting frustrated at this, but I shouldn't because I can't expect everybody to onboard this that quickly. But at some point in time, I think people do need to get frustrated and they do need to kind of be like, hey, everybody wake up. But there needs to be logic and reason behind that. That's the King of Swords argument here of like, when you're going to speak, you got to speak appropriately. You can't just be like, but God said, or, you know, or my God said, or, or the, the tarot cards tell me, no, it has to be inclusive in that regards. Um, this is why cancel culture can't work. You can't just start canceling other people's understandings because in that case, you're just doing what the church did years ago. The Catholic church silenced everyone they could either through assassination, murder or war. Um, go look at history. We've done all of this before. We are repeating history once again. 
I think that's must be what is most frustrating for me is, and probably for a lot of people is that we just, we're just repeating history again. We're doing all the same shit that everyone has ever done in the history that we have written so far in humanity, which could be a lie. Who knows over again. And we're allowing it to occur. Like, it's just like, Oh yeah, we just do this. This is okay. We just do this over and over and over again. What's not true. What's true is this thing called essence, the permanent, as contrasted with the accidental element of being the individual real or ultimate nature of a thing, especially as opposed to its existence, the properties or attributes by means of which something can be placed in its proper class or identified as being what it is. The most significant element quality or aspect of the thing or person one that possesses or exhibits a quality in abundance as if in concentrated form, something that exists. Well, I defined existence. I did that back in episode 52, when I, last episode, when I talked about why. I defined existence and the necessity for an existence, the essence of existence, as being that which asks why questions. That is the essence of spiritual being. That is the essence of spiritual existence, is that which asks why questions. If you've ever asked a why question, not in conjunction or conjecture, asked a true why question, you exist spiritually. You have a spiritual health body. So how do we nurture that? Well, I would argue we ask more why questions. We pay attention to whys more. We also ask what else nurtures us spiritually. Just like we got to give the body nutrition, we got to give the mind nutrition, or uh, the nutrition for the mind is input. That's the mind is, is in necessity of, the body is in necessity of, Essential ingredients, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, fire, blah, 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 water. The mind is in essence, the mind's necessity is information. Some just stuff to do electrical storms. It needs that. The spirit needs both of those things as above. So below it needs some sort of nutrient. And it also needs some sort of input. And the input is a why. We need to input whys to have spirituality. Because as soon as you have a why question, you are spiritual by nature. You have a spiritual existence. And we also, we also need essence. I know that sounds... It sounds like a, you know, a kind of a, a loop, a, a circle, but that's, that's the idea of cycles. The spiritual body needs chaos, creation, order, and destruction. The spiritual body needs infinite possibility. It needs to be able to organize that or create. It needs to order that. It needs yin yang. And it also needs to be able to destroy it because it needs to have the full cycles. That is the essence of the spiritual body is to understand. This is what I was talking about. How when people talk about talking to the universe or listening to the universe or downloads from the universe, it's a conversation. The translation happens in our mind but you have a whole spiritual health body out there taking in information. 
you might not even have any clue about. This is the understanding of awakening. This is the understanding of enlightenment. This is the understanding of... I, I, I'm uh, again, I lack vocabulary and I lack vernacular. Maybe that's the, that's the conversation that needs to better be had is what's the essential vocabulary for discussing these things because it's widespread. It's very cultural. Uh, the Chinese culture, the Japanese culture, the Korean culture, the Indian culture, the Hindu culture, the, you know, go on and on and on. Every culture of the East has come up with some sort of, or East in regards to as I'm in the West, which is an odd thing to think because over there, they're just there. Um, but this is, this is the conversation between Eastern and Western philosophies that, you know, every grand academy of education known as a, a, a college or, or higher section, send higher sectional learning organization, um, teaches in their philosophy classes, like, oh, Eastern philosophy versus Western philosophy. And, you know, we have Eastern medicine versus Western medicine. These cultures, which are spiritual by nature, cultures is a, culture is a spiritual thing, have some way of discussing this, some more so than others. So when I go back and I think about, well, when I talked about, you know, magic and I talked about ego and I talked about passion and listening and tranquility, reincarnation, purpose, faith, love, re you know, ever since, you know, episode 42 ish. Um, even before that, when I talked about intuition, instinct, insight, imagination, the senses of the, the spirit, but also when I talked about chaos, creation, order, all of these things that I've been talking about recently when it comes to spirituality, right? When I broke down the fact that culture is spiritual, I think I hit on some things that might be the necessity to the spirit. I think the spirit is weighted in time and space. And I'm going to lack the way of how I want to talk about this because I'm literally trying to piece it together as I talk about it. This is how I come up with information. This is how I come up with understanding. This is how I draw conclusions. I just do it. I just, I just, this is my temperance. This is my six of wands, my victories. I don't know their victories until someone else tells me that it, that it is. That's how I practice body work is. I just intuitively have a conversation with someone else's body and help them help their body figure out what's going on. And then later they come back and they do like, dude, you, you know, you did an amazing job. I'm like, I feel great. And blah, blah, blah. I have no idea. To be honest, I have no idea. I'm doing that. I ju I'm just going with it. So most of my endeavors there are a six of wands moment where someone else has to tell me like, Hey man, you won. You did a You, the victory's here. You did it. Like you put in the work and it worked out. I, I typically don't know that's going to happen. Um, at the same time, I have the high priestess moment of I'm constantly looking inward for this understanding. I'm constantly looking for mysteries and mysticism and, and, and magic and and all of these other things that we're looking for to give weight, to give understanding to everything else while trying to be stoic in the king of swords sense of understanding more before I even open my fucking mouth but also understanding that I constantly fail in the regards of when I do open my mouth, I forget to keep in mind other people's feelings or emotions or just emotions and feelings in general, which is where my temperance comes from, where how I judge things comes from. And so 
maybe hopefully that gives you an understanding of how I try to piece this stuff together. And right now I'm trying to piece it together in the moment by saying, when I talked about how culture is spiritual, I think the spirit's nutrients, what would go into like giving nutrition to the spirit, to the soul, whatever you want to call it, has to do with its weight, its magnitude, its magnetism in time and space. This is the argument to say that there is such a thing as the soul, as the spirit, as that other. This is the argument for it, is the fact that there are nutrition for it. There is, the universe has provided elements of existence that go to fuel the spirit, to go to nurture the, the soul, to, 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 to even have that conversation, to have asked why and to given it, given it an existence. The fact that imagination exists. These are the things we talk about when we talk about nostalgia. When we talk about feeding the soul, when we talk about putting your essence into something, um, when I talked about uh, when I talked about in the magic episode, when I talked about kodadama, the the Japanese word for you know words having power, um, there are other understandings in the world about you know putting your essence into something. And I, I lack, I should have looked these up ahead of time. I honestly didn't even know I was going to go here. Um, but there are words in other, there are words in other cultures outside of the English culture or the Western culture that specifically mean to do these things. And I apologize. I don't have a vocabulary to give you, but I know they exist at least. Um, you know, the, the craftsman, let's, let's, I'll, I'll go there with it first. The craftsperson who puts their essence into something, it can be said that they put their key or their chi or their prana or their chakra or their soul or, you know, that when I talk about effort, that whole effort thing, it's. I keep trying to look up words and it's just not going to work. So I'm just, I'm just going to go with it. I apologize. I don't have the words to give you sound off in the comment section of, you know, or send me an email. If you have words that mean this in your culture, I'm sure Germany has, I'm sure the German language has specific words for it. In fact, I know the German language has specific words for it because there's a specific word in the German language that the, the meaning of the word, what the word actually means is the feeling you get after the first sip of tea for the day. There's a word for that in the German language that there's a specific one word that means the feeling that you get from the, the first sip of tea for the day that, that, ah, there's a word in the Japanese language about, um, the quality of, uh, a sake, because when you drink it warm and you have that, that exhale after you drink it, there's a word for that. So I know these things exist because it became so someone focused so greatly on this that they made a word for it. Invention. Remember, invention is imagination brought into reality. 
the necessity for invention is part of the necessity for existence that gives credence to the idea of a soul or spirit or, you know, asking why questions to have this thing known as imagination that I talked about in the imagination episode, episode 40. There has been the necessity, the need, the essence for someone to create a word to express what they were feeling so that others could also feel it or understand it. I would argue in the cultural representation of food, which I talked about before, how words like umami became that, a way to express something that was so human experience that it required a specific word to define. This is the understanding of Kotadama. Kotadama is that understanding that there are words that carry power, that they are magical by nature. This is kind of what I was talking about in the magic episode of the necessity came about that a word must be created, a, a, a symbolization in the vocabulary that is expressed through the vibration, vibration, light, of sound waves of, of air by the, the vocal cords so that someone else would have an exact representation of what it is you were feeling, understanding, and they too could understand it as well. Thus the necessity of language is spiritual while also being mental and while also being physical. To bring something into a wavelength, sound, which is vibrational, um, which uh, technically all wavelengths are vibrational, the hertzian frequency situation, um, the sun is producing wavelengths that we just can't hear. But it's also producing a sound. This is why we can, in astrological bodies, we can hear, we can pick out the frequencies of astral. Mars has a vibrational state. Venus has a vibrational state. Pluto has a vibrational state. God damn it. Don't forget about Pluto. It still exists. It has a vibrational state. It has a pattern. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about the astrological octaves of the vibrational states of the Schumann residents and how they're the representation between the earth's atmosphere and the crust and the vibrational state there. And then how, if you wavelength that off into the octaves, it hits some of the other um, planets and how those planets then correspond to the, how the chakra vibrates, blah, blah, blah. There's been tons of stuff on this all throughout history, which means that the necessity, the need for language and vocabulary is spiritual. It's expression, right? It's, it's, there's something in us that creates this need for these things to occur. And by creating this need for things to occur, it's a, it's a loop. It's a, getting back to that loop thing I was talking about. It's, it's a loop in and of itself that the spirit creates the things to nurture itself. And thus it is in and of itself necessity. It's need. To need something is to be spiritual. Because if it wasn't, then we would, be, we would be the base value of what we consider the animal kingdom. What we would consider the 
basic levels of, of sentience. It's not that the animals aren't sentient. It's not that the animals aren't necessary. It's that we have some, and it's not to say that animals don't have a spirit. It's what defines human spirit. Remember, you have to have a definition in order to be something because if we didn't have that definition, then we would just be an animal. We would just be the dog, cat, cow. None of that would exist because, because the spiritual nature of it wouldn't be any different. If the spiritual nature of a cat was the spiritual nature of humans, then we would just be cats. We would be huats or humans. Doesn't matter. Cute names aside. So the, the necessity of language, the necessity of need in human culture, which is spiritual, is that, is that, is that loop. So this is, this is kind of my argument for like the fact that I know we have soul, we have spirit, we have other, we have some other, something else because we created the need. We create just needs. And thus, if we paid a little bit more attention to our needs, we would be paying a little bit more attention to spirit or the universe, as it's constantly called. We'd be paying attention to the background radiation vibration stuff that the sun is throwing off constantly and also not shielding us from anymore because the corona has shortened or sorry, corona has um, closed in down closer to it, it's, it's shrunk, if you will. Um, we would we would better understand while, you know, why we say, Oh, it's a full moon. People are going to be crazy. We would understand that has something to do with the fact that we are mostly water and that the swelling effect of the water being pulled, uh, magnetic by, by gravity, which is a factor of magnitude, um, on a, a plane, which affects the vibrational frequencies that are happening, which causes inflammation in the body to increase. And thus the capacity of the cranium is decrease because there's already a pre-swelling effect that may put pressure on different areas such as the hippocampus or the Abdullah Abagata or the left hemisphere or right hemisphere, depending on how the skull shape is to make someone do something that would be considered out of their nature or to be acting like it's a full moon. Um, that's where we can give definition to the old wise tales or, you know, this, the theoretical stories or all of these fables and fictional understandings, the give credence to how the pantheons worked. We like to dismiss shit. This is, this is why I say cancel culture is fucking toxic and needs to go away. Cancel culture needs to cancel itself because if you just dismiss this shit constantly, you're never, you're just going to doomed to repeat history all over again. That's why I get frustrated at that situation because we just keep doing that. We keep just dismissing it. This is no different than book burning. This is no different than the Catholic church controlling who gets to say what and who, who doesn't. This is no different than Galileo being fucking um, hunted. You know, like this is no different than any of these, what we consider terrible parts of history there's no difference from that and not allowing someone to at least express their opinion or their understanding. Because if they don't get to do that, they can't be corrected. And I'm not saying everyone's right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying 
if they're not allowed to be wrong or even celebrated for being wrong in some cases, the child should should be celebrated when they get something wrong. That means they put in the effort, they got it wrong, and then they learn from it. Then another celebration should happen. The fucking six of wands. That's the representation here. Six of wands. The victory happened by putting in the effort. Part of the effort means you needed to fail. Repetition is the mother of all skill. Failure is its father. You have to fail to learn. Those who are the most successful are those who failed the most and learned the most. That's, I, I just, I don't understand how we can just continue to be like, yeah, wokeism, cancel culture, you know, there's no difference in that than the Catholic church going in the crusades, killing millions of people because they thought their God was the only God. No fucking difference. It's just as horrible. It's just as backwards. It's just as damning. It's just as defeating. It's it's just as destroying as that was to what humans exist for. We exist to be spiritual. We exist to have necessity. We exist to ask why questions. And by asking why questions, we define our existence. Yes, it is a revolving circle. That is why all of the mystery schools, all of the mysticism, all of the ancient priesthoods leaked out this information of the cyclical nature and, and how this, and made it sound fancy and made it sound very hard to understand. It's not. Things have to be cyclical to exist. That's why we have a calendar. That's why we have years. That's why we have weeks. That's without, without the necessity for those measurement structures, those things wouldn't exist. If we didn't need days, or the definition of a day, it wouldn't fucking matter that the sun rose every day and set every day. A day wouldn't exist. We could have easily just been like, yeah, every seven times that happens, we have a week, but we don't talk about the days in between. That could have existed that way, but we had a necessity for, no, we need a day thing. One, it helps the mind because we go, oh, time to sleep, time to wake up, time to do work. But it also helped us plan. There was a necessity for planning things. We couldn't have civilizations if we couldn't plan things. We couldn't plan things very well if we didn't have days to plan and then hours to plan and then minutes and then seconds. If we didn't have those types of divisional ideas in a structure, but we didn't necessarily break anything else for doing that. We only added agreeable definition. That's, that's the, that's the resistance piece of the soul, the spirit, the other having the necessity of weight of magnitude in time and space. I think that's what kind of what I was talking about. I think that's what Paracelsus talked about. I think that's where many philosophers who delved into the, what I call resistance of measurement. This is what I talk about when I talk about depression being uniquely who you are. I can't draw divisionable, divisionable lines between humanity. I can draw divisionable lines in something along the lines of time and space because that allows for planning. It allows for a better understanding, better definition, better speech, better vocabulary, better vernacular. Dividing humans 
outside of the realm that they are human spiritually, that doesn't help. That, that division, those divisional lines that we draw all the time between skin color, eye color, hair, genetical background, religious organization and affiliate, um, even in regards to cultural, you know, representation, all of the things that go into those arguments, they don't add definition. They destroy conversation. And if you can, if you destroy conversation, you're destroying spirit. You're destroying our other health body. You're taking nutrition away from it. So we should be encouraging conversation. We should be opening new avenues of conversation, exploration, discovery. That's what we're good at. That's what drives us. That's what motivates us in a lot of cases. And the fact that we've taken a lot of that away or made it more complicated has really done a detrimental effect to our youth. The internet fucked some shit up. Um, it, it was no longer possible for the little kid to go out and enjoy finding out what a grasshopper was, you know, jumping in a puddle and, and you, know, you can just watch someone else do it and then realize that someone else has already done it. And that really hurts. It really hurts when you take the exploration and adventure out of existence because our existence is, is defined by asking why questions and finding answers to ask more why questions. That is to be spiritual by nature. And we know we are spiritual beings because of the necessity to ask why questions and to have why answers and the reciprocal cycle of all of that. If you have infinite possibility, then to give it some sort of definition and create something and then order it and then realize that like, Oh, I can make it bigger and thus I just, I'll just let that get destroyed and then I'll make a bigger or a better understanding or a broadening of, of things. We, we took that away with something like the internet. We took it away with even the idea of an encyclopedia. And in some cases, yes, this is great because it allows for more exploration and more adventure, but in some cases it's not because it doesn't allow for that. Can you blame children for being excited about video games, about fantasy movies, about, you know, new stories in that regard? No, absolutely not. How could you possibly argue against video games? How? Video games are one of the last bastions in which a child can go explore and adventure and find something new for themselves. And that's why the complexity of video games is constantly being pushed forward so that you can have those experiences. But then on the same side of that, there's a whole group of individuals who are destroying that streaming and all that stuff. But that is their explanation. That's their adventure is that they're trying to create this new thing by sharing their experiences in the way in which they do things. It's good and bad. It gets to have both connotations. It gets to have no connotation. But it does bring up the argument of there's no longer the ability for a person to be the big fish in a little pond or strive to be that when it's just a bunch of little fishes in a gigantic ocean. So in that regards, new avenues must be opened, new adventures, new reasons to define our essence, new essence in and of accord must be brought to be available. So we've stagnated. We've, we've come to conclusive episodes of 
rehash old things, retry to make new ideas. The creative outlets don't exist the way they used to. It's very hard to invent a new word. In fact, new words are being invented, but it's this idea of slang and that begins with a negative connotation that it should be owned by only a certain understanding. It should only be, this is really going to piss some people off. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this out in my head and I'm like, man, this is going to piss some people off. So I'm going to say, there's not a big difference between the understanding of making up new words and slang and that making you cool because you can use those words and you understand what they mean in comparison to nobles having an aristocratic dialect. They're the same function. Let's say that again and piss some more people off again. Inventing vocabulary that is not inclusive, not, and that's not the right word because that's being corrupted quite a bit. Inventing vocabulary to be judgmental with is no different than the argument against the aristocratic dialect that was way back when to show a representation of an education level. So by going the opposite direction, you're actually going the same direction. Maybe that'll mean something for someone comparative to another. I, I, don't, I really don't know at this point. But it is a breakdown of essence. Well, being close. I think we're really close in a lot of regards. We're really close. We're just not exactly applying it correctly. And it's probably not the individual's fault. It's because there is coercion. There is corruption. There is a ruling class that still exists. And do some people have the necessity to be ruled? Absolutely. That argument is prevalent through all of history that there are leaders who who led, who came into power under their understanding that people needed to be ruled, that people needed to be led and to have that argument. And there are clearly some that do require that. But shouldn't it kind of be up to them? Shouldn't it kind of be up to them to have the ability to give what we call consent? I would argue that there's many people in the United States of America that don't consent to taxes. It's forced upon them, which means it's not right. There was no consent. The consent is that I was born. That's not consent. There's no consent there. Well, the argument was supposed to be no taxes without representation, right? What representation do I have in government? What? What representation do I have? I, zero. The answer is practically zero at this point. So the answer that they came up with was just make bigger government. Oh yeah, if we just make it a bigger government, more people will be included. That's not true. That's not how that worked. Had it worked that way, it would have been great, but that, that, that answer didn't work. It was actually the wrong answer. And thus the bigger the government got, the less people that were included because it became an inclusive club became a private society, became a private organization. The Fed, the Federal Reserve, is a private organization. It's not part of the federal government and it's not a reserve. 
the WEF, the World Economic Forum, is not a is not a public organization. It's a private organization trying to run the public. See, this is the problem with the Roman Senate and the Roman Forum destroying itself and becoming just the oligarchy of two sides without representation for the individuals. This is the you know King of England and the Queen of England. Deciding that, you know, the Americas had to pay tax. There has not been a point in time where the idea of America hasn't been the test. And the test has failed immensely time and time again. And thus, those failures have been learned from. How far can you push a people till they revolt? How much taxes can you levy until there's a revolt? You know... We're the rule, not the exception here in America, and we celebrate it constantly. And I'm not saying America is a wrong culture or a wrong idea. It was a beautiful idea. It was supposed to be an, a test of can individuals rule themselves. And the answer was no. The answer that they concluded was no, they can't. And I don't know if I consent to that. I don't know if a lot of people will consent to that idea. So this is what I'm talking about when like, we talk about other people being in charge of the essence other people being in charge of your body your mind your spirit no you're responsible for that that's what essence is because if you don't have that essence you don't exist and by agreeing that you don't exist then you give them power over you this is the, the part of you know people when they talk about being a sovereign citizen in the United States of America their argument's not wrong their methods might be a little wonky and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a legal gray area and their reasons for wanting that might be a little elusive or dare I say sometimes uh, corrupted or coerced in their own regards to what they want to do with that freedom um, might be negatively connotated, but the arguments sound you know, the whole, you know, birth certificate thing about how, and this is kind of conspiracy and conjecture of because of capitalizations and, you know, you're technically born, um, you give away your rights when you're born when you're on your birth certificate because uh, it has to do with maritime law and that you were lost at sea and then they issue a birth certificate in your name and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you become an entity and not an individual. So your sovereignty goes away because you're an actual, technically you're a, a, a corporation and not a, a sovereign individual, blah, 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 blah. You can look into it. It's very fascinating. Do whatever you want to do with that information. I'm not saying one way or the other, but the argument's sound. Because the argument is my essence is mine. Your essence is yours. And that's where this idea of temperance really hits home in the end. Yeah, you can have the Six of Wands. You can have the, the High Priestess. You can have the King of Swords. You can put them all together, but without temperance, you don't have the essence. And the essence is asking why questions. Getting why answers. Conjoining the self, body, mind, spirit. In my uh, bodywork practice, I like to say that I balance the body I'm sorry. Was that? Yeah, balance the body, open the mind, and awaken the spirit. I've got my own, forgot my own, uh, my own subtext. Yeah, I balance the body, I open the mind, and I awaken the spirit. Because I think that's where we are right now. 
we got to balance the body out. We got to figure out how to take care of that better. You know, we do a pretty poor job of it. Like, oh, just, just give, it a, give it a pill. Just give me another pill. Well, that's unbalanced. Uh, we got to open the mind. A lot of us don't have open minds. Where are we allowed to? Um, that's the whole idea of being in a cult. You don't have an open mind. So I would say a lot of us are living in cults, even though we don't define them that way. Uh, in the in the organizations in which we're dealt into, um, school is one of those things, you know. And then we have to awaken the spirit because we're sleeping. We are sleeping. We don't have essence. We forgot our essence. And essence is this circular nature. It's it's this this cycles. But we definitely are spiritual beings because we have the necessity for it. We have the necessity. We have necessities. So the nutrition of the spirit is in the magnitude of time and space. And if that's true, then this thing known as ki, chi, chakra, prana, bioelectric field, has a greater value than we've given it. All of the ancient writings gave it value. We stopped. I'd like to know why we stopped. Remember, big why question, big spiritual question. Why did we stop giving value to this thing I've now defined that we have, this spiritual body? Because by devaluing the spiritual body, we allowed for some very terrible shit to happen. One of those things is for people to stop being individuals, to stop being sovereign entities of themselves for themselves and responsible for themselves. Instead, we allowed for uh, just a shitstorm of other crap to come in and, and, and just corrupt everything and course everything. We allowed for a ruling class to root themselves in society and take over just about everything at this point. The problem with weeds is, you know, they just keep popping up. You have to keep weeding. But to do that, you have to be able to open your mind, awaken your spirit. You have to be able to go through these temperance moments. And to do that, you need to be able to listen to the universe. So that's what essence is really about. You know, I, I ramble on about these things over and over again, but like essence is that necessity to listen to the universe, what it might be telling you to try to open your mind to it, try to open your imagination to it. That there is this thing that is important. There is this thing known as the spirit, the soul, the other, the other health body. And we have to take care of it. And there are ways in which we destroy it, in which we do harm to it, in which you know, this is what's called the spiritual warfare. A lot of modern religions don't, I'm sorry, a lot of religions, religions in modern times don't talk about this thing known as what was called the spiritual war. Um, in fact, this, it could be argued that quite a bit of the canons, the, doctr the doctrinal writings, the, the doctoral writings of, not doctoral, the doctrines of um, these religions, the canons, and other non-religious organizations warn against a spiritual war. Um, that, you know, I'll just use Christianity as a, because a lot of people at least have some understanding of it, that, 
you know, the devil's in a war for your soul. Satan wants your soul. That was corrupted quite a bit. Um, the general warning there is that there is this thing known as a spiritual war. And there are things that degrade the spirit, that degrade the soul, that do harm to it. And that there was these forces, for lack of a better term, who wanted to save your soul, to save your spirit. But the corruption occurs when there's only one party that can do that. And that party's not you. That's a dangerous game. It's a very dangerous game to say that only one party, only one affiliation can save your soul. That they are true essence. They are true necessity and need. That can't be true. This is what I talk about, about the lie of creation. Because if we weren't to believe the creation stories and incorporate them into what would be known as a spiritual war, then the only answer is to die. That's the only answer is you need to die. Now let's think about that a little bit. Let's, let's just, just open your mind to this for one second. I know I'm, I know I'm crazy and I'm out there and I'm, I'm spouting some shit. Every one of these stories has to do with the only way you're saved is death. So they all want you to die. There's a problem there because in the cyclical nature of things to say at this point that reincarnation didn't exist would mean your livestock, your cattle. So the question has to be asked, why is that important? Why do you need to die? Why do you need to live and experience and then die? to exalt a God, to give power to a savior. I have questions. I'm not saying there's no answers. Maybe there are answers. Maybe they are right. I am totally on board with the idea that like, Hey, maybe, maybe there, maybe one of them is right. Cool. That'd be awesome. If we were like, yeah, we have a right answer, man. It's fucking accounting. Accounting's great in that sense. Like you get right answers. But that's because they created the right answers for themselves. Double entry accounting creates the right answer. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But spirituality is part of essence. And so we have to deem for ourselves what's essential. That's what I'm getting at here. We have to deem for ourselves what, what is essential. And to do that, we have to have a conversation with ourselves about not just the body, not just the mind, but also the spirit and how they work together. What is the tangible and intangible? What is the material? What is the materium? What is the reality of all three bodies 
working together. What's, what is, what is, what does that look like? What is it? What's it defined by? How does it affect you? What, what does it feel like? Is nostalgia part of that? Is eating a good meal part of that? Is entertainment, singing, shapes, sounds, colors, the, the intangible, instinctual feelings, goosebumps, exhaustion, passion? What, 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 what is the corresponding collection of the spirit, the mind, and the body all working together? That's essence. That is what all of humanity has always strived for and ultimately quite often failed at. In some degree, be it, be it, or also succeeded at, and then it's cyclical. It just happens over and over again. It's the argument of in astrology for what's known as a Venus return. Somewhere around 32, 33 in your life, your chart, your astrological chart, Venus comes back and retests all the things that you had to suffer or go through in the beginning. It's called the Venus returns. So like we've talked about these things constantly throughout all of history, all of ancient society and culture and, and spiritualist, uh, spiritual nature. Like we've talked about these things. So I guess... You know, I'd have to say, isn't that what depression really is? Isn't depression all three of the bodies working together? It is self-awareness. It is self and it is awareness. It's attention to intentions, inwardly and outwardly, of the mind, body, and spirit. That's what depression is. That's amazing. Super powerful. Super hard to work with and control and understand because it is the expression of understanding ourselves at all of those levels. So when I was talking about how Maybe we just don't have the bandwidth in some regards. Maybe we do have, or maybe we don't have enough input. Maybe we, maybe we have too much input or maybe we don't have enough input. So you have to pick a starting point, right? Are you going to start with the body? Are you going to start with the mind? Are you going to start with the spirit? Everybody's a little bit different. I think there's absolutely people out there who can start with the spirit. These are what we call the general intuitives. These are what we call the people who just like, just get it or just know, or, or the empaths or, you know, the empaths are starting in the mental space where we have the people who are like super athletic and that's just what they like that. They start with the physical. We all start somewhere and maybe it's a mix, you know, like, but somewhere along the line, I feel like we forgot. It's gotta be all three. And that's what I call depression. That's why I say you can use it and you can, you can almost control it to that, to that extent. If you go that far, you can, you get to control it, which means you get to control your reality. At any point in time during a stressful situation, 
you get just to decide if it's stressful or not. Is it overwhelming? Is it funny? Just recently, uh, I was leaving my office and I locked myself out of my office. First time I've done it. Um, And like earlier that day, I had like forgotten something and you know, like it, it was just like, it was like a day. It was like, Oh, today's a day. Like, and I, and I like, I forgot to grab my keys because I had like put together in my head, like another list of things I needed to do. And I had already gotten that. And I just did a little lock on the door and pulled it shut. And I was like, didn't even notice it, it was like, mm. and then I went to leave. And I was like, I locked my, I locked my keys in my office. No one else has a key. I'm the only one that has a key. I'm like, I'm gonna have to break this door. <laughs> like, can't get it. My, my car key was in there too. And I was like, man. And at any point in time at that point, I could have just gotten mad and I could have just bashed the doorknob off and it would have cost me a door, a new door and lock. Uh, Cause that would have been my fault. I broke it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could have been in for a couple hundred bucks. I just decided that's the route I'm going to go. But instead I was like, well, that's kind of funny actually. And I thought to ask myself, what, what is the, what is the universe trying to tell me right now? Like what, like what's going on? I, I took a step back. That's the temperance I've learned. That's the essential nature of myself. The essence I've learned is to take a step back every once in a while. I was like, what's, what's the universe up to right now? What are they trying to tell me? What's going on? Maybe I'm not supposed to get my car just yet because there's, you know, some drunk driver on the road that I, it's, it's not, you know, that's where the conversation of fate and all that. And, you know, and I'll leave that for another time, but that's where that comes in. Um, so I just, step, I'm like, what, what am I supposed to, like, what am I supposed to learn here? Patience. What am I, you know, what's going on? So I was like, you know what? I, I'm not in a rut. I don't really need to be anywhere right now. You know, I needed to go to the bank. That was, that's, that's why I forgot my keys is because I was like, I got my wallet ready. And I got my bank deposit ready. And I put my wallet thinking I was ready to go. Cause that's usually the last thing I grab. And just the muscle memory of like, Oh, I got my wallet time to go. Nope. Forgot the keys. So I was like, what's going on here? So I learned to break into an, I, I learned to lock pick a door. I probably shouldn't admit that openly, but I learned how to open a door with paper clips. It took me probably a half hour, 45 minutes to kind of like watch videos, make the thing. Cause I only had like two paper clips and a pair of uh, scissors and some tape. I'm like, I gotta make the things to do the lock picking with, but I learned it and I was able to get in the door. I was like, would you look at that? Would you look at that? Like, oh, that was a cool skill to learn figure that out. And I, I had broken indoors when I was doing house cleanouts and stuff like that. But usually you just drill the lock and put a new lock on it, but save myself the cash. Didn't need a new door. Didn't need a new doorknob and lock. Got my keys left. Then I get home. Getting ready to record the, this episode. This happened today. Uh, I'm getting ready to record the episode and I'm like, you know, doing the cards and I'm, you know, recording a new intro. I did that. And I was like, do to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking for my phone. I'm like, where the hell is my phone? I'm like, did I leave my phone at the office? Why do I keep forgetting things? What is going on? Why do I keep forgetting things? What, what lesson is the universe trying to key me into here? And I'm like, all right, well, it's not in the house. I looked everywhere. I'm like, it's not in the house. It's gotta be, it's, it's gotta still be at the office. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I could get mad about this or I could just laugh. So I just laughed about it. I was like, you know, I got to decide. My temperance told me. You know, I'm just going to laugh at this. All right. Like I'll go out to the car as well. And before I went out to the car, I was like, all right, well, you know, I got to go back out to the car anyway. Like the dumpsters for the community are over there. I'll grab a bag of trash. Take that with me. I'll, I'll take the trash out. Fun fill fact. 
I neglect things at, at points in time because I try to make myself busy or I, or I get far, I get too locked into something. It's not a positive. It's not, it's not good the way I get locked into something. things like I'll just leave. Not like, it's not a giant mess. I'm not trying to say like, I'm just like leaving dishes everywhere, but like, I'll let the sink pile up a little bit too much and I'll, and I'll get, I'll be lazy about loading the dishwasher or every once in a while I'll be lazy about loading or emptying the trash and I'll leave a couple pieces of trash on the counter. And it weighs on me a lot that I do that. And I know everyone does it every once in a while. And it's really not that big of a deal. But I, I come down pretty hard on myself when I do that. And it also puts me in this mental state of not, not being in a right mind or right place or using right vocabulary. And I get frustrated with things or I get mad with things. Or, and I've always been this way. And it's a problem. And it's something I, I constantly have to you know, fight against. And so that it could be, the whole story here is to tell you, like, it could be that the fact that I locked my keys in my office and did the lock picking thing to get my keys and then come home and get frustrated because I thought I left my uh, phone at the office was to get me to take the bag of trash out, to put it in the dumpster, go to my car, to get in my car and find my phone sitting on the seat in my car because it had fallen out of my pocket. All of that was just to get me to take the fucking trash out so that I wouldn't feel that compression of the world around me because I just let the trash build up or I let the dishes pile up too much to remind me of that, to, to make me mindful of that so that I stopped letting that happen because maybe that cascades into something. Maybe it turns into keeping the house a little cleaner to feel a little bit more comfortable in my space to get more done, to be more creative with the episodes, to write more, to, to finish one of the books I've started writing for, for fucking ever, or to publish more videos, um, you know, in, for some reason, you know, whatever reason it could be just to have my house feel a little cleaner so that maybe it's very highly doubtful that I'd ever let someone like come over or invite someone over, or maybe, to keep the house a little bit cleaner so that I would feel like if I had a cat, I wouldn't have to worry about the cat breaking shit or hurting. Really, it's not breaking shit. It's more like hurting itself because it ate a fucking, I don't know, something that I wasn't supposed to eat to because I was an idiot and left it out on the counter. And that's why I don't have a cat because I, I would feel horrible if the cat had to live in this space. Not that it's that bad, but you get what I'm saying. Hopefully. <laughs> maybe that Maybe that's what it was about. I don't know yet. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I haven't done it all and then gotten to that point to be like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember that day I, I, I locked myself out of my office and then thought I forgot my phone and got kind of frustrated about it, but ended up turning it into a positive because I took the trash out and kept my space a little cleaner. And that somehow ended up with me owning a fluffy fur ball that made me happy. Who knows? But I didn't just get mad. It didn't just have a base reaction of, yeah, I'm only, I'm just this way all the time. And then that cascades into something else. I thought about it. I took the time. I laughed about it. I moved on. I had temperance because it's essential because I have essence. I have mind, body, and spirit. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to say like, I'm amazing at it. I'm not. I often neglect my spirit. That's why I did this whole podcast was to figure out what this whole thing of spirituality is. And now I'm learning how much I've neglected it, how much I've let it, 
you know, to the wayside, how much I don't nurture my spiritual side and how that affects me mentally and physically, how it doesn't allow me to control my depression as well as I thought I was. I thought I was really good at controlling my depression. Turns out I'm shit. I could be way better, but that's a good thing that, yeah, there, there is an improvement that could happen. Like, Oh, I'm not just stuck in this depressive state that I've been in for forever there, are, there is room for improvement. There can be more improvement. It can get better. <gasps> Whoa. It's a hard thing to realize. It's a hard thing to come to grips with that. Like, yeah, it could be better because that's good and bad. I could use that in the negative connotation. Like, oh, yeah, it obviously could be better. But here I am just stuck in the shitty. Temperance. The high priestess. Look inside. King of Swords. To, to, to look at it, to weigh it out, to figure out what our essence really is. And I would say, I would argue that the essence of humanity is to be spiritual, to ask why questions, to have existence. I think that's all I got for you. I think that's it for now, at least. For now, go figure out what is essential to you for your body. What is it? Maybe that's where you want to start. And to start, here's some, here's some methods and this, this, I'll leave it off. I'll, I'll be helpful. Hopefully, um, some ways that you could start with figuring out what's essential to the body is figuring out what your nutrition looks like. You know, are you eating processed shitty foods? Is that, you know, weighing down on your mind because you're just not getting the nutrients you need? Maybe you need to grab a multivitamin. Again, I'm not a doctor. Can't diagnose or prescribe to, you know, talk to your doctors about this shit, but, um, or don't do whatever you want. I don't really care <laughs> at this point. I don't even know if doctors are helpful sometimes. Um, but you know, look into a multivitamin, what that might do for you, look into, you know, eating one more healthy meal a week instead of, you know, pizza again or Chinese again. And part of that is um, maybe it helps you financially in that regards. Maybe cooking a meal for yourself is a little cheaper because you prepared the meal yourself and you didn't pay somebody else to do it. And that helps you in financially, which then helps you mentally. See how this stuff can cascade that way? Uh, that's why I, that's what listening to the universe is. If the universe is like, man, you're eating shitty and here's why you're eating shitty. Your stomach's upset all the time. You know, um, you're groggy or, or your brain's foggy and stuff like that. Maybe it's asking you to look at your nutrition because your wallet is suffering from the shit you're doing. Like, yeah, maybe you should quit smoking because your wallet wouldn't suffer as much and then you wouldn't be as stressful and then need to smoke because of it because the stress of being in financial distress is getting to you, which is making you smoke. Maybe the first action to take is to figure out a way to quit smoking, which just starts with smoking less. And then you figure out the financial benefit of that. Um, maybe it's alcohol, you know, stopping drinking alcohol can do worlds, all sorts of crazy, amazing things for the body. And I'm not saying that these are like everything in moderation is always how I've put it. Everything in moderation. Um, maybe it's just going for a walk. Like, like, so maybe that's how you start with the body is just figuring out what works a little bit better for the body. Maybe it's the mind. Okay. Let's start with the mind. Well, what does that look like? Maybe it's taking more time to read your favorite book series or, um, 
challenging yourself with a puzzle now and then or word games or playing a video game and just kind of relaxing into that sense. But like also keeping mind everything in moderation. Don't get addicted to those type of like, don't just sit there and play video games all day. Maybe that's the other questions to have is like, what are you putting way too much mental time in when you could be doing maybe a little bit of mental exercise or feeding your mind in some way? You know, listening to this podcast is, is a great option for that, I suppose. I should say that. But maybe it's another podcast that teaches you about something you're interested in or doing your own podcast and having the catharticism of expressing yourself in that endeavor. Uh, what else? Um, doing a tarot card reading for the hell of it just to see if it's kind of fun. Uh, maybe don't spend a lot of money on it, but you know, try it out. Uh, reading your astrology for a week, uh, sorry, reading your horoscope for a week or two and seeing how it changes, how you mentally look at something. It, it could even be like reading your horoscope the next day for the previous day to see if that lined up in any way to see if maybe, cause I don't believe in, you know, follow, I don't believe in following a horoscope as like the be end end all say of like how your day is going to go or how your month's going to go. No, it's, it's to take the time to read what could possibly happen so that maybe you could solve the pitfall just a little bit better or avoid the pitfall in just a little bit. To give you an example, my horoscope for today when I locked myself out of my door uh, was that I could have a financial pitfall of some sort, that it could, you know, something could happen that would cost me money and then set me back in some way. So yeah. I absolutely could have just bashed the doorknob off or drilled it out and replaced the door. I was totally within my ability to do. I've done it plenty of times to all sorts of doors and situations. I know how to break into things. That was my job. I did house cleanouts. You had to break into the house. Then I had to replace the door and put the new lock on and then give the new key to the realtor. That was part of my job. So I know how to do it. It's very easy. Um, apparently so is breaking into a door with a set of paper clips, but that would have cost me money, which could have possibly put me in the red for the week or, or, you know, popped up down the line. Like, man, I really could have used that extra $200 I had spent on because I was an idiot about that. Who knows? That was part of my horoscope. So, like, part of that went into my thought process for the day of, like, oh, wait a minute. I probably shouldn't do anything that cost me too much extra money because something, maybe later tonight I get a bill I didn't know about. I don't, I don't know. Like, but I, I was conscious of that, like, okay, don't do anything that's going to cost me any like extra stupid amount of money. That's a bad idea. Don't just, you know, throw money at these problems like I could. So maybe look at your horoscope in that way to give yourself those mental exercises. And maybe that helps you look at things differently. Spiritually, I'm still trying to answer that question. So maybe I'll try to give a couple options here. Uh, uh, nostalgia look towards the nostalgia think I, I think there's something there the magnitude in time and space the weight in time and space what does that look like and, and I know this episode's gotten kind of long so I'll try to keep it quick here looking at how to nurture the spirit when it when we talk about when I'm talking about how it's weighted in time and space first thing give it magnitude when something has time and space, it has a crossover of the of the of magnet of magnetism and the dielectric uh, counter space space and counter space. So it's tangible and intangible. So it has magnitude and, and not magnitude. Um, uh, see, I'm struggling. I might have to do another episode on this to figure out like what that actually means or how to how to tell people what that means. 
to give your spiritual side an outlet for its magnitude is to nurture it, uh, is to give it essence, to give it something. For me, this sometimes looks like practicing Tai Chi or meditating. Um, for a lot of people, I think it looks like meditating. Some others might be that, that seeking of nostalgia, that very comfortable nostalgic feeling that is both mental and spiritual at the same time. Doing something that very much speaks to you as far as like a cultural dynamic. Um, a lot of people get, I believe, a spiritual response out of something that culturally speaks to them. That's I have quite a few tattoos on me that culturally spe speak to me. Um, my beard <laughs> for the reflection of my East, uh, I'm sorry, North Germanic um, genetical background. I'm a mud of the world, but I do have a lot of North Germanic genetics in me, which my beard in essence is a, a reflection of that. Um, that could sometimes look like the gym to some people, like just the, the, you, you can feed the spirit both mentally and physically to feed the spirit as well. That's, so there are combination effects there. Uh, so I, I, I don't know of anything right now that is just purely a spiritual aspect. Even prayer is still a mental, you know, thing like that. Um, so yeah, I guess the, um, eat a good meal can be again, spiritual by nature. So like maybe that's something to keep in mind and not like a, don't go to a restaurant, like a, like a, a cook meal. I, I suppose that brings up the conversation. I, I was, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of circling around and I'm not sure if I wanted to get too much into it, but things that require effort typically nurture the spirit, like real effort, like learning something new that you're interested in or culturally speaks to you. Boom, compound it. Those types of things that require effort, they, they speak to the spirit, I think, because they're asking and answering why questions. So, you know, do what you will with that. And I'll try to come up with some more as we go along. This, this is an exploration of spirituality. So clearly I'm not going to have the answers and, but I think I've now defined some really good questions to base our conversation off of. I think that's it for this one. As always, I thank you for listening. Um, I hope you get out of this as much as I get out of it, which is quite a bit. So I hope there's some balance in that regard. Head over to taminghindrances.com. Check out the archive. Um, maybe there's something in there will, that will nurture you mentally or spiritually. Uh, or physically, if you want to talk about supplementation um, and what that might look like. I produced a deep dive on the vitamins and what vitamins do, the essential vitamins or vitamins of the world to keep our bodies alive. Uh, that's over at the uh, YouTube channel, Taming Hindrances, uh, YouTube slash Taming Hindrances. Um, check out purebulk.com if you're also interested in supplements. They can nurture the body with that. Mental too. They have some, uh, some mental stuff in there to help out with the mind. Do some Tai Chi, do some breathing exercises, do some meditation, do some Qigong. I teach all of those in my uh, my business practice, bodywork practice. Um, yeah, listen to some good music, do that. But um, I'll catch you on the other one. No new outro, I'm sorry, same old outro. But uh, maybe I'll come up with a new one of those for next episode. Take care, I will talk to you on the next one. 
Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. But go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.